Our title today is Believing He is Really Greater Than We Are. I have to walk over here because the one thing I need, I forgot to put by myself. Darn. Here, I'm going to borrow this one. This will work. I needed a pen. That's what I needed. And I thought I had one over here, but I didn't. I'll sanitize your pen, Kyle, I promise. You saved me. All right. Found a little video on YouTube this week. I'm not going to show you the video. This is just a, a, a screenshot. And the video had to do with things that maybe you didn't know. And uh, just like uh, the, this cat that is illustrated there, uh, you'll see on the end of this pen, if you have a pen with you, you want to pull the cap off, there's a hole in your pen cap, right? And you may wonder, ever wonder why there is a hole in your pen cap? I never wondered about it until this week. <laughs> I never, if you wonder about those things, God bless you. You've got a lot of mental space to be able to just think and wonder and have all this imagination. I wish I had that kind of time. Uh, so no, I never wondered about it until I watched this video. Anybody know? I'll give you a chance to be the star. I did this once. Becca, do you really know? Why is there a hole in the pen cap? You are chuckling, but Becca is absolutely correct. Okay? There didn't always used to be. Did you tell her this, Caleb? Did you sell me out? Did you look at the, the thing and... Becca, that is wonderful. Great answer. This is two times I've done this in worship, and I have been uh, I've lost. I'm over two, trying to pull one over on you people. You're really good, although both times it has been a young person, a junior high or a high school student, that has gotten me. And so the rest of y'all better pick up your game, is what I'm saying. She's right. They put holes in pen caps. They also started doing it in Legos, that if you choke on it, you breathe, and you're breathing out, and your body is trying to expel it, there's a better chance that the air will propel that cap going through the, the hole in the pen cap and, and help to expel it out of your windpipe. I found that to be very fascinating. All kinds of things you didn't know, right? Now, this is a really lame illustration. I'm just going to go put this right back. I'll just, whether you want to touch it or not, you decide, Cal. It's a really lame illustration in, 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 in all honesty. I really was trying to capture the idea of things that God does that just make us go, wow, I can't believe that's who he is. We wanted to capture the idea in our heart today, in response to this word, that God is really greater than we are. And he has plans and purposes and things for different seasons of our lives that we have absolutely no idea what he's doing. And it, it should amaze us. So if you find this fascinating, I hope it's one one millionth of the awe and wonder that we have at God for all the things that he has, that he does that we have no idea. Great job again, Becca. You surprised me. Okay, well, let's get into our outline this morning. Uh, this is a prayer. Uh, this is first, uh, 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And throughout chapter 2, even into the first uh, part of chapter 3, we see Paul revealing that God's purpose is to bring people together in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus Christ. You don't have to live in a certain place. You don't have to have a certain amount of money or a certain amount of education to come to Jesus. God brings people 
uh, from the original group of people that he called, the Israelites, uh, what we know as the Jews. He brings people from that group. He brings people from all sorts of groups of people in all nations who are not Jewish. They're called Gentiles in Scripture, and he brings them together. And so when we pick up, uh, we had just seen at the end of uh, 13 that he asked them not to lose heart uh, for Paul's own suffering, which is uh, their glory. And for this reason, he says, I bow my knees before the Father. This is a prayer. And so as part of our identity, this whole series is us, uh, an identity surrendered to an identity as a follower of Jesus Christ, our primary identity. If that's our identity, then we should want for each other, other believers, not just in our local church, we should want for other believers to have a stronger identity in Christ. That's the heart of Paul's prayer. And the first thing that we see is Paul praying for God's purpose to strengthen us. That's what he wants. The whole premise of life and faith, but the whole premise of this prayer is that we, as believers, we need something to happen to us that cannot happen otherwise. I'll remind you from an earlier teaching that Paul gave in chapter 1. We covered this a number of weeks ago. In him, we have redemption through his blood. We don't have redemption or forgiveness or wisdom or insight. We don't have any of that stuff except for in him. It, meaning that it's coming from outside of us. The same is true with our salvation. The same is true of being saved from our sins and being put in a right relationship with God. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's a gift. We don't take credit for the gifts that we receive. They're gifts. And they come from outside of us. Now maybe if you're really good, you drop a hint and the right gift happens to show up on Mother's Day or Father's Day. But that's, that's not how it works with God. God gifts us. He shows us his grace. We want to understand God's authority. We see that in verse 15. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That's the Father. He's over all tribes, all nations, all languages. It's his authority. And what God wants is something to happen to us that cannot happen otherwise in verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened. The strengthening, the filling, the empowering that we need. The, all of that that Paul is praying for on behalf of the Ephesians. All of the way in which we should be praying on behalf of others. It's not anything we can go and get. It's not anything we can buy. It's not anything we can attain or achieve. The be strengthened is a verb that is a passive verb, which means the action happens to the subject. So we pursue the Lord and we ask that we would receive the strength. And to believe that that would happen forces us to believe that God is truly greater than we are, that he can give us a power, a strength that we cannot possess on our own. That's it. It's the first part of the prayer that he would grant you to be strengthened with power. How? Through his spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, working, filling, changing us in our inner being. We must believe that one greater than ourselves would come and take up residence inside of us. 
and that he can do more than us. His purpose strengthens us. The first part of this prayer uh, that Paul uh, prays. Okay, next we're going to go to uh, verses 17 through 19. And we'll find out that we grow by understanding his love. We're going to zero in. Why are we strengthened? All right, verse 16 is the strengthening, the filling of the Spirit. Verse 17, why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We need to be strengthened to have Christ dwell in our hearts. Lots of things dwell in our hearts. Anticipation can dwell in our hearts. Maybe you're excited about a a transition in your life, a new job, a new residence, a new whatever. Those things can dwell in our hearts. Excitement about something coming up, that it, it it can dwell there. Sadness can dwell in our hearts. Maybe circumstances have been very difficult for yourself or somebody that you love and, and you're saddened by that. That can, that can dwell in our hearts, but oftentimes those things are fleeting and they're not permanent. Well, the word dwell implies permanence, that Christ has a permanent residence in our hearts and that we can't bring that about. We, the truth of Christ, the love of Christ, dwelling in our hearts can't bring it about by our own. We'd be strengthened, so that is the case. That's what Paul is praying for. What if Christ dwells in our hearts? The love of Jesus would come out in our being, in our lives, in our words, in our actions. It doesn't happen naturally, but it's why Paul is praying. He's laboring before the Lord. God, would you strengthen these people? Would you strengthen these believers that have been connected to Christ through the ministry at Ephesus? Would you strengthen them from on high? Would you fill them with your Holy Spirit? And would you help them to grow in the love of God? It's why Paul is praying. It's why we should pray too. It's why we should join him. Verse 18. uh, End of 17. That you being rooted and grounded in love. And then 18. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth of and length and height and depth. I want to focus in for a minute on those measurements. These have to do with things that are measured. The goal is that we are strong enough to begin in our minds to think with all the saints the breadth and the length, the height and depth, and to know, verse 19, the beginning of the love of Christ. So these are measurements connecting us to the love of Jesus. So just in the context of Ephesians, if we were to guess a little bit about uh, some of these measurements, breadth and width, no geographical bounds. Over the whole earth, the love of Jesus is capable of spreading and influencing lives. Height or length, there's no no reach of the outermost of, of heaven above or the love of Christ does not dwell. We praise the Lord for that. And depth. You can't read through the first half of the second chapter of Ephesians without being reminded of the depth of our sin. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Mm. Dead in our trespasses and sins, the depths of our sin. There's no depth. 
the love of Jesus can't forgive, can't overcome. Now, uh, those of you who maybe know a little bit more about Scripture, maybe your mind has wandered over to Romans 8. I want to share these verses with you. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, is encouraging them about the love of Jesus. And here's what it says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know about you, but I do not naturally think and act with this type of love. I need help to act and to think with this kind of love, which is exactly why Paul is praying that believers would act and think with this kind of love that is so wide, so high and long, and so deep that there isn't a place in any of our souls or a place in any of this whole planet that keeps us from the love of Jesus. I praise God for that. But it's a challenge to live this kind of love. Our culture, anybody familiar with the phrase cancel culture? You ever hear that? A pop term, a number of you raising your hands. Uh, if you're not familiar with the phrase, it's terminology for if something goes wrong in somebody's life or what they have said, or if something goes wrong in a relationship, that you just kind of cancel them out. Okay? You have uh, somehow shamed uh, me or our family or this organization. We're canceling you out because of these things that you said. I have an example for you in case you're wondering. Um, one high schooler was accepted to Harvard. But eventually his acceptance was rescinded due to inappropriate messages he wrote when he was 16. So a year or two before graduation, he had written some things. Uh, it says, the student expressed regret commenting that I see the world through different eyes and I'm embarrassed by the petty and flippant kid represented in those screenshots. So this is a, 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 a young person who is uh, apologetic about the things that they were found on his social media. He expresses regret. Here's the end of the story. It says, Harvard's admissions committee voted to keep him out. This is cancel culture. Okay, maybe you have offended me or I have offended you. And so instead of addressing it, instead of doing what we're going to learn how to do in the rest of Ephesians, we're just done. We're not speaking anymore. We're not a part of this organization. Sometimes this happens, unfortunately, in families. I'm not making fun of it. It's terrible. It's a part of our culture. Cancel culture. Oh, that person believes that? You can't possibly be my friend. We're done. It happens, and it's the way uh, that a lot of people in our culture are beginning to act. The Bible calls for something completely different. The love of Jesus that is wide and high and long and deep doesn't know cancel culture. To be up to this kind of love, we need to know this kind of Savior. I don't know about you, 
but I'm glad Jesus never canceled me out of his life. I'm glad my sin is never canceled out of the benefits and the joy of the resurrection and eternal life. I'm glad for that. And not only do I want to be glad for that and enjoy that as a person, as a human being, I want that for other people. But what does it mean? It means that Jesus is willing to love me through it. And that he's going to call us to do the same thing. I'm foreshadowing <laughs> chapters 4, 5, and 6. But what it means if we, if we really call Jesus our Lord and we want to pursue this kind of love and we want to thank him and glorify him for the kind of love that he gives that knows no bounds, then he has to be greater than we are. The being from outside of this world that has created this world and has complete authority over this world impacts the way we think if we put our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ. If we accept that he forgives us, it changes the way we view people. He hasn't canceled us out, so we don't cancel people out of our lives. We continue forward and we act and we leave the doors open for forgiveness and love because he's done the same thing with us. It's a love that is greater than we are. And it characterizes God to his fullest. Let's join Paul in praying that ourselves, that our uh, fellow church members and church family and fellowship, that we would begin to think and act and love this way. We need the help to do it. And let's not cancel each, out of, uh, each other out of our lives if something goes wrong. Let's, let's have a bigger view of love just like God does with us. Finally, I'm going to go ahead and read this again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want to deal with these verses from a place today of, of complete honesty. I hope, I hope this will help. This is, these are two verses that are easy to scream from the mountaintop, are they not? If life is going great and we're really excited about this, it's really easy to say, now to him who is able to do far more. All right. Praise the Lord. God's working. I'll be honest and open this morning, a reality check. I am not in the middle of the best season of my own personal life and, and leadership. Things are not going great. People that I love and know have experienced a lot of sadness and difficulty and frustration over the last few weeks, and it's been hard. I'm not lashing out. It's not personal. Sometimes you can't control when difficult things are going to happen. So what do you do? For me, it can be hard. I, I'm a personality type, if you know me well enough, that I don't have a hard time relating or feeling what people are feeling or engaging in those situations. I have a hard time stopping myself from doing that. And so I'll take on burden, and it will, it will kind of grind me to a halt at times. So let me do as well as I can do this morning to, to interpret these verses well for us. 
Even though I may not be in the, feeling the best about life, maybe you're not feeling the best about life, maybe you are. No matter our circumstances, God hasn't changed. That's what Paul wants us to know. No matter our circumstances, God hasn't changed. Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. That's who Paul addresses. Now to him. That is a characteristic of God that is true no matter our circumstance. No matter our pain. No matter the height of the mountain or the depth of the valley or anywhere in between. It's true. How do we know that? Let's go right from the context. Let's rip this out at the very last part of the passage we were in last week in verse 13. I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you. Which is your glory. He's telling them don't lose heart. He's suffering. How is he suffering? Paul is in prison unjustly at this moment of writing Ephesians. God hasn't changed in Paul's prison cell. Praise the Lord. He hasn't changed in our grief or our addiction or our despair or our sorrow or tragedy. He doesn't change in those things. We can say because Paul is praying for strengthening and he's praying for understanding of love, he's, he, we can say with him now to him who is able to do far more. really means, if Paul is praying that from his prison cell, that I shouldn't stop praying big things either. It's the way through. It's not to sulk. It's not to moan and bemoan my circumstances. It's not to go on and on about how awful everything is. It's to, it's to keep praying. It's to keep trusting in Jesus, knowing that we worship a God who is bigger than ourselves and can set up circumstances to encourage us when we don't even know what God is doing. And so I don't want to stop. I don't want it ever to prevent me. And let's pray for each other that we would never be prevented in our minds or in our hearts or in our faith from praying big, asking God to bless big, move big, change big, and encourage in big ways. The minute we do that, we start to, to show the enemy that he's got a foothold and that we're, we're moving toward uh, reducing our, our faith. I don't want to do that. What it means is that at times, God will truly blow our minds. We want to hang on. Now, now well, that doesn't always happen. God doesn't always answer with the, the great, huge thing. That, 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 all that means is God has a, a different purpose for the pain or the, the circumstance. It's going to, we're going to be challenged in the next few chapters to, to walk in faith and to be responsive to the Holy Spirit that, is, that Paul is praying would fill and strengthen us. And so what is the challenge for us? I'm going to just say that the challenge for us has to be prayer. Paul is praying as a part of this. He's praying his way through it. He's praying for these believers and giving an example. We would do the same. I want to invite you to pray. Pray more. Set aside time that is non-negotiable in your homes and in your daily life to pray. Consider joining as we pray on Wednesday. Whether you're here in the building or whether you're joining on, a, on your phone, on a Zoom call... Be together with believers and pray. You're going to see more opportunities to be together in prayer pop up because it's something that we believe and we won't stop believing. It works. It's an application point that is lifted right out of the very first part of this. Paul bows his knees before the Father. He wants their work to be effective and he models prayer. Let's pray.
in our personal lives, let's pray corporately for that impact, that desire, that encouragement that we want to see God do because we know he's able. The hardest thing I can tell you as I close uh, today, you're praying, you're with others, you're seeking God, you're open to his leading, and if, if that's the case, the hardest thing I can tell you is that you just may have to wait. You may not get the answer right away. You may not see the specifics in the moment. It may come with time. God may show you a reason down the road for the answer he gave you now. I want to encourage you to keep walking in faith. It doesn't negate that God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Paul says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I don't want my circumstances or my attitude or my opinion to negate the power of God. He can save. He can change. If he doesn't change the circumstances, he'll give us the strength to walk through them. No matter God's purposes, we want to serve the glory of Jesus Christ in the church throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's what it looks like to walk with a God who is truly bigger than we are. Do you believe that today? And invite our musicians to come and be ready to close us in song. As always, we'll take a few moments in prayer for the Holy Spirit to sort these things out in our hearts. We pray and invite you as we go to prayer, if you're listening today and you don't have that relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you to take that step of faith today. Commit your life to Jesus. It may not look rosy right now, but God is able to do far more in that walk of faith than we could ever ask or imagine. It is true. His promises are good.